Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden, and today I am joined by a good friend, Taylor Holman, owner of Tailored Media Designs and founder of NG. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm good today. Um, I mean, both <laughs> of us are, It's. I know it's not time for like night owl activities, uh-huh. but it seems like I'm I'm a total morning or a, yeah an early bird and so doing something in the afternoon is like ooh this is so late in yeah the day. yeah we're recording this at two forty in the afternoon and both of us are asking like acting like we're bur- like burning what's the phrase burning the late night candle burning the midnight oil <laughs> yeah that one the late night candle <laughs> you can see how tired I am yeah I always just say my social battery starts to like drain after lunch so usually I do all my podcasts and like meetings in the morning but we did um we've been like chock full of our master classes today and I know that you've been talking to everybody all the time too so I'm glad that we're gonna have time to get this out for all of the folks to listen to this just a few days after Christmas if they celebrate a few days before New Year's for everyone else and it's a timely topic because we're talking um I guess I would say it's like goal setting adjacent. Would you agree with that? Totally. I mean, because you set goals and then somehow you have to measure the goals. So it's definitely adjacent. Okay, perfect. And we won't won't take time here to tell everyone about smart goals. I think they've probably heard enough about that. Um, Okay, well, Taylor, let's instead just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and like uh, what your background in business is. Yeah. So I have been a small business marketing consultant for coming up on nine years now. And the majority of my client base has been wedding and creative businesses. And so with that, it really means like I've been working with solopreneurs, right? The people who have to like wear all the hats, do all the things and wake up every day feeling like their their hair is on fire (laughs) because everything is an emergency all the time. Um, But so I've really had a lot of opportunities that I'm very thankful for to support people on the marketing side of things and helping them come up with a realistic plan that they can actually do themselves themselves. Um, because the reality is, is I think, you know, you've got a team, you're one of the people who's lucky to not have to do every, every, you know, task that comes across your mm-hmm. desk and you've got folks to support you on that front. But most people are are left to like kind of fend for themselves in a lot of ways. And so NG is a COVID project gone super <laughs> wild. <laughs> like I had apparently too much time on my hands, even though it was a very busy season for me, because a lot of business owners uh, were forced into having too much time to work on their business, right? Because they couldn't work in it. And so I just, I had this space where I could think like, hey, how can I scale myself and my services? Because there's more people than, you know, the couple I could support on a monthly basis that need this kind of help. And so, you know, like I sat on the idea for a while and I was like, okay, well, is this, you know, because starting a startup is like no small feat. (laughs) 
it is no small feat. And so after a while, I, I decided it was the thing. It was the one of the ideas that I've had throughout my career that was worth pursuing. And so, I mean, I worked on it. I have two partners and we worked on it behind the scenes for about two years before we pushed it out into the wild. And so, you know, we're the time of this recording, we're about seven months old, uh-huh. but I've already put the better part of three years of my life into it. And so it's like, it's, so what, it's such a what, crazy experience. So you talked about really the, like the passion to help the solopreneurs, but what were you finding? I'm a... I'm, I always feel like a lot of software is like born out of the like, oh, I wish I had this tool because you're finding that the solutions in the market are not really meeting your needs. Yeah. Like what obstacles were you running up against that really um, prompted you to like want to solve this issue? Yeah. You know, so it's funny, like, like you're totally hitting the nail on the head where most software and most products in general are created based on the founder's problem, like their personal problem. And part of what makes NG unique is I, this sounds super crass, but like I had my marketing shit together, right? Like I had, (laughs) I had hacked a system of different project management systems and technologies to create a space where I could operate really efficiently. But the fact of the matter is, is like, that is so stressful for someone who already is having to hack together bookkeeping, legal, operational, like all the all the other systems that come with with running a business. And so NG, the 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 idea behind it was like, hey, my clients need something. Mm-hmm. And the common thread that they were always coming to me and literally saying, Taylor, just tell me what to do. And so NG is like the first thing that we're trying to solve is giving people a clear understanding and direction with what they should be doing to market their business and then supporting them with the tools that they need to actually organize these tasks and then start to do it. So it wasn't my my personal problem that I was trying to solve. It was all the folks that I was being hired to create these strategies for because I deliver this really robust and beautiful 25-page marketing strategy in a PDF they'd read it once and it would die on their computer, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're just like, I'm never going to look at this again. Yeah, the way I kind of see it. So we did like, we did a tour before we hopped on here. And so we're going to talk about KPIs, everybody, just so we don't bury the lead too much. But the way I kind of see it, I was like, oh, well, we can use a client relationship management program to manage our client projects, right? Like that kind of a workflow. And then I've always used Asana to manage, like do my project management. But then NG is really like marketing management. So would you say, well, I guess Asana can be like client, it can be kind of like everything management. It does everything generally. But is your goal kind of that I could have like Dubsado plus NG for like operations and marketing? And then that would be like everything or does it fit a different role? No, that's what it's supposed to be. You know, for for the folks who love talking about systems and workflows, NG is a marketing system, right? It's a it's a proper home for you where you can set things up. You know, we're we're a, a brand new startup, so we've got we've got room to grow and like push things on the automation side of things because that's where I think systems become really powerful. Mm-hmm. But that is the intent that you know you have something you have something like QuickBooks or FreshBooks that you're using to manage your money. You're using some sort of CRM like Dubsado to manage, you know, your your clients and the booking process, um, and then you've got NG to manage 
your marketing because cool. it's it's one of the big pillars for any business. Okay, so let's get into so the funny thing is before we like did a demo of the program, I actually thought it was really just KPI tracking. It's like a lot more than that because you have like all the copywriting tools. You said that uh, you have social media scheduling. So that's all super cool. And people, where are people supposed to go if they want to like see all the features? Yeah, if you want to check it out, everyone can get a free trial because um, I, I think it's important to be able to try before you buy as cliche and stupid as it uh -huh. sounds. Um, but you can just go to our website, which is enji.co and start a free trial. And nothing is throttled in your trial other than the copywriter but you can, you can still use it. I think it's three times. So you can experience everything within the tools. You can set up your marketing strategy. You can see what we recommend. You can start to play around with things and, and really okay, cool. see how it's going to help you get organized. So love that. I also think Taylor, it would be fun. Cause I have like so many questions I want to ask you. We don't have time to go through them on this podcast episode because you know, it's so late in the day. We have stuff to do at three at almost 3 PM. Um, but I do think it'd be fun to have you come back on and talk about like how you, cause you know, I'm nosy and how you like funded the company, who you hire, yeah. all that kind of stuff would be super fun. But now what I want to do is turn to specifically KPIs. Cause this is something that I'm simultaneously passionate about, but also like really bad at like tracking, if that makes sense. Um, generally speaking on this podcast, we don't really talk about like marketing really. So when we talked about having you come on the show, I was like, well, I want to make it more about, um, goals and hitting financial goals and how we're tracking things with our KPIs so that we can relate it to like the unfuck your biz of it all. So as kind of the primer for the conversation, can you tell, I just started doing OKRs this week. I don't know if you use that or KPIs, but tell us what all of these things are. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's 14 ways to describe anything in business. Right, which right, is right. Of course. And you pick whatever resonates like most with you. Yeah. Totally. So we refer to them as KPIs, which are key performance indicators. And, you know, you can think of them as metrics, data points, OKRs, you know, it all is just a different way of saying the same thing. Um, but really what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to help you understand the health of your business and the impact of something. And so within my world, I really want to focus on what's the impact of my marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So depending on what your focus is, you're going to have a mix of KPIs that helps you understand, you know, 360 what's going on within your, your business. Yeah. And do you get into, like, I was in a mastermind a few years ago and I just remember at the time, I think I was just like hyper-focused on this. You know, sometimes in business, we like read one business book and then we think it's like the answer to all of our problems. And then we get like hyper-focused <laughs> on probably not even the main thesis of the business book, just like one thing in a particular chapter. And I got like super into primary, secondary, and tertiary KPIs for like a little while. Do you like even, does your brain even think about things that way? No. No? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, I, I could, and I know that eventually I will be asked to really think about, you know, NG's own KPIs in that way, right? Because yeah. there's, there's a hierarchy to everything. But as someone who very much is living the one person marketing department life, you know, like I've got, I, I only survive by keeping things in one level yeah. at the moment. Um, but certainly like if someone has the time and capacity to break things down that way, 
freaking go for it. Well, I think I bring it up because what I always found was I did not have the capacity to track a lot of different data points. But what I found was that we all kind of, so like the main, to me, like the most primary KPI in your business is like money in the bank account. It's revenue, right? But then it's like, okay, well, how do we look at the health of our business? Well, what informs my revenue is like leads and conversions, right? But what, so that would be like the KPI below that. So I'd probably (laughs) still call it primary, right? But then what's below that? Well, it would be like number of social media hits and website hits. Like that would be more secondary. And then what I kind of found for myself was that it's like, well, it's those secondary KPIs that I actually need to be tracking because that's like the smoke, right? You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Like that's kind of like the smoke. I don't know. That's how I think about it. No, totally. And I mean, it it all makes sense. When you describe it that way, I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Can I revise? Can I walk back my answer and and revise it? Well, no, no, no. Uh, I think it's, it's just, it's also how we all wrap our brains around things. So like the way I think about it, it might not be the same for other people, but I also, you know, was looking back in like year one of my business, like all I was like really tracking was Instagram followers. And then at a certain (laughs) point realized like that's the least important metric, unless it's the, like your only marketing channel. But yeah. let's get into some more like nuts and bolts specifics. So, yeah. um, you know, I work with a lot of wedding people um, and we both recently were at Wedding MBA and we chatted there. So if don't click away if you're not a wedding person, because we're going to do this in two parts. So specifically, I would say like for wedding vendors, but then also this most of this would apply to anyone offering like a one on one service, like a one on one, like kind of high level service. What are the main, I won't call them primary because that could get confusing, but what are like the most important KPIs they should be tracking? You know, the big question that most people have when it comes to their marketing is where are my most, my most highly qualified leads coming from, right? Like, because that is a, that is a really strong indicator of where your time, money, energy, attention is well spent. And so for anybody who's running a wedding business, or like you said, a like one-to-one service provider based business, tracking your lead sources, it sounds so basic because everyone like, you know, if I ask people, where do your leads come from? They typically can, can answer that question. Mm -hmm. But then when I push them one step further and say like, well, like what's the actual breakdown? Like percentage wise, they're like, well, I, I actually, I could just, I could guess, but I don't really know. And so, you know, let's, for a lot of people, they have for service-based businesses, referrals, right? That's like highest quality leads always and forever. So you've got referrals, uh, social media for most people, we're still talking about Instagram as being the lead source. And then you've got things like advertisements that you're running in a marketplace, Mm -hmm. whether that's the not wedding wire style, me, wedding wire style me pretty, or, you know, if you're on like Fiverr or something like that, that's a, a listing in a marketplace that you could be paying for. And then also, you know, getting found on the internet. So SEO mm-hmm. um, and blogging potentially being a lead source. And so actually tr- like documenting how many leads per month are you getting from these places really starts to like clear everything out and you can see, Hey, you know, I put so much emotional, like pressure and stress about creating shit on Instagram. And guess what? 
I don't actually get leads from Instagram. And so that's a way that tracking certain numbers can impact you emotionally and strategically, right? Like you can just now pivot and think like, oh, I don't have to put all this stuff into Instagram. Um, But so tracking lead sources and then also something that most people aren't doing that again, super powerful is tracking the average booking value that you're getting by lead source. Again, a way to really drive home what marketing channel is worth your time, energy and attention. And so like, after you're tracking the money ones, which that's what we're, that's why all of us are in business, um, understanding where your money is coming from in regards to like, or relations to how it's tied to your marketing efforts is also super, super powerful to know. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, and I think the, like the obvious outcome, I think most of us would assume is that referrals might be like your lowest volume of leads, but your highest converting like leads. Right. And they also might spend the most. People coming in from advertisements because they're going to be the coldest traffic. That might be like your highest volume if you're spending a lot, but like your lowest converting. But then it could be really, it could be really interesting. Like you might find that people on TikTok who find you spend twice as much as people who find you on Instagram. I'm just making that up. But some things you discover about that in the data, I actually learned, Taylor, it took me probably like a year into this podcast to finally realize. And it's funny because if I talk to any podcast coach, they would probably just tell me this. That a podcast doesn't, it, it, it's not an attraction marketing tool. It's like a nurturing marketing tool. So people are not going to, people don't really organically discover my podcast. I don't have a big enough podcast that it, it doesn't really show up in the suggested like for you section of Apple podcasts, but it's a place for me to like nurture the people who are already following me. And that takes like yep. a lot of trial and error and lead tracking and all that kind of stuff to find. Yeah, when totally we like does. launch our signature programs, we ask like, how many people listen to the podcast and how often and our podcast listeners convert a lot higher into our programs. Yep. Yep. And you know, the, to take a step back, it's like, we want to track all these numbers because marketing is an experiment uh-huh. and it, it is an experiment that is like never going to end, unfortunately. But the only way that we get better and more efficient at marketing is by like running these I mean, if you think back to your middle school science class, like running these controlled experiments and documenting the data so that you in the future can make better informed decisions about what it is you're going to do. You know, so, what like fun for people is I think Taylor, uh, all of our wedding people and anyone else that provides like a relatively high ticket service. And I'm only saying this because it would be a lot of work if you have a high volume business. Would every time someone actually books you go and see if they follow you on all your various social media platforms, that would be fun. And then you could, I don't know. Can you see how long someone, I actually, you can, if you go to message someone on Instagram, it will tell you, I think how, well, it'll tell you how long you've been following them. I don't know if it would do do the inverse, but that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. Cause like, that's one of the other things with marketing and why it's so important to, to keep up with it is because there's a lag time, right? And yeah. most of us don't actually know what our marketing cycle is, how much time passes. And so whether we're talking about newly engaged couples finding their team of wedding pros and like how long, how long before they even, like there's always a person who's expecting to get asked that question, mm-hmm. but then 
I'm pretty sure that that person is already sleuthing all the people on the internet before that, right? And yeah. so basically your marketing cycle has started before that person has said yes to getting engaged um, and, and understanding kind of fundamentally, hey, do people follow me on average for three months before they decide to reach out and inquire or buy from me? Or is this like, I've got six months where I've got to nurture the shit out of people, <laughs> right? There's a big difference. Between well, that. we actually found, so I highly encourage like other course creators um, to do this. If you have anyone, or if you're a service provider and you have an email list as well, what we do is whenever we launch higher ticket programs that are, you know, are capped at like 20, 30 people, we'll go and we'll manually look at every person on our email list to see how long they've been on the email list. Um, and then we'll note it down. And I am always, or I was always, I'm not anymore surprised to find that about 50% of all of our high ticket um, program students and clients have been following us for fewer than three months. And what that told us was that people don't require a lot of warming up. Um, mm -hmm. They have a need, they realize they have it and they're like pretty ready to hire us. And so I ended up making the decision like over a year ago to move from like the two launches a year model to like offering more cohorts throughout the year, even if they were, you know, like smaller and like, quote unquote, less glamorous, because it's like, if we're not offering this thing when people need it and coming to us, then they might like fall off. Yeah. You need to catch people at the right time. And so that's why like, you need to, knowing that is super powerful for you. Um, yeah. But yeah. most people are so lazy when it comes to all this <laughs> stuff. And I've, I've started well, seeing... it's also, it's easy to be lazy when the systems make it hard. Right. Which is why I'm excited yeah. to use your tool because I found like good information doing certain things, but there's still like a lot of room for improvement, which will yeah. be improved with like a better system. Yeah, totally. So, you know, like the, I've started saying to folks that like the reality is, is the least lazy marketer wins. It's not always <laughs> the person with the best product or the best service. Like we all in all of our markets and all of our own corners of the internet, like, and the world, there's always that one person on our like short list of competition that we look at and we're like, but but why? Why do people why do they always win the business? Why do people <laughs> buy from them? And it's probably because they're uh they are less lazy when it comes to marketing than you are. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, okay, so I think we talked about we we talked about some good KPI rules of thumb for everyone. Let's okay. So I have some questions about my own business because I told you yeah. I was gonna solicit some free coaching out of you before you left. But yes. let's talk about social media just for a second. Like, should people be tracking followers? Should we more be more should we should we be more interested in engagement? I kind of have in the back of my mind what I think the answer is. Yeah, and it's but I'll have you go first. So it is a vanity metric. It's the vanity metric of all vanity metrics, but there is there there is an important place for it in the grand scheme of things. And that's because one of the things that you want to understand in terms of the health of your business is your audience size. And this is especially important for people who your customer buys from you once, right? If you're in that camp, then you need to make sure that your audience is constantly growing and changing because mm -hmm. if you're not like, I mean, you, you need fresh meat <laughs> all of the time Yeah. Um, for people who have the opportunity to resell, remonetize customers and your, I mean, to get nerdy, like your lifetime value of a customer mm -hmm. is high because they, they come back repeatedly. 
your audience size is less important. So it's one of those like it depends questions. But I like to track it just because it's 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 easy. Uh, but it also it does give me some sort of insight is like how many people am I talking to, right? Yeah. Um, so I mean the things like engagement rates and watch time on, you know, your reels and TikTok videos, like that's where you start to get into the nitty gritty of like what content is working best for you. See, but- I would think like, I would think that tracking engagement on Instagram would be extremely important if you're trying to like monetize your Instagram. Like if, yeah. you know, if like making money directly off of Instagram is going to be important then that would be important. But I was just thinking, Taylor, I kind of realized I was thinking back to your, like the least lazy marketer is usually the one that wins. And what I found is at first I was tracking like Instagram followers just as a vanity metric. And then I think for a couple of years, I was like, I don't care. I'm not even going to look at it. And now I'm kind of coming full circle because what I realized is that although it is a little bit of a vanity metric, to me, it kind of is that where there's smoke, there's fire thing. Because if I look and I see like three months of very little social media growth, What that tells me is that like, I'm not getting out there to do speaking engagements. I'm not showing up to virtual events. I'm not being active in Facebook group, being helpful, answering people's questions. I'm not meeting new people and going to networking events. So it's like, usually the social media growth is like the natural result of that. It's not really for me anymore. It's not like, oh, I'm clearly using like the right hashtags or whatever. It's more just like, I'm actually meeting people and they're following me. Yeah, it's definitely still an indicator of other things, right? And so, yeah. and that's one of the things that makes marketing hard a lot of yeah. times is there's, yeah. there are so many pieces that, so I mean, basically so many variables. We don't ever have like an uncontrolled variable, variable yeah. right? But it is very, um, it is, people have to figure out like what role does it serve in their business? Because I'm yeah. thinking if I'm a wedding photographer and I just need to like, my goal is to book like two clients per month. Like, I don't really need a constant evolving, like social media following to do that. Like just like just SEO could be fine or like just a pretty good referral system could be fine. But like one of our goals is to sell 50 contract clubs every month. So like constantly growing our social following is like a really good way to do that. Whereas it might be a little bit more frivolous for someone else. Totally. 100%. There's no, there's no proven strategy. There is no like take this formula and implement it. Like everybody's business is different. And so you can, you know, you can take the things that are being taught to you by all of the folks, but you have to put your own business lens and perspective on top of it. Uh You can't just like copy and paste stuff and think it's going to work. So I think the like the easiest but not correct thing to tell people would be like track literally everything and then in a few months you'll figure out like what's actually going to work yeah but if that's like for especially for solopreneurs like you mentioned like we actually talked earlier i said i'm only going to be tracking about three data points and i work full-time in my business and then i'm going to have each one of my employees track one and that still is only like eight total things we're tracking Mm -hmm. in our business right not a ton But for people who are really like starting from nowhere, would you just say like, you know, pick the few things that you think are going to be the most important and then like pick a few at random and then just like scrap them in a few months if they're not working or what would your starting point be? Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, I like to, I like to use myself as an example because like, yeah, I'm living the one person marketing department life, just like everyone else. (laughs) So for, for NG, like I've got about 12 KPIs that I'm tracking 
And, you know, that actually, that number has, has changed over the past few months. Cause it's like, oh, I figure out, Hey, I actually should be looking at this as well. Or yeah. this one isn't really telling me what I thought it would tell me over time. So it is, it is a little bit of a moving target when you're just starting out, because again, marketing is an experiment and you're going to have to try out a few things, but starting out with a like 10 to 12 is a pretty good place to start. It's not super overwhelming, but I mean, I have friends that own businesses that they're like, I track 30 KPIs. I'm like, good for you. That's, That's not wild. for That's me. That's like wild. I have to do like three to five. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, again, it's like, what's going to help you understand the, the health of your business and the impact of your marketing in this space. So, um, you know, no one's going to get it right right out the gate and that's fine. But like the point is you got to keep trying to find the thing that that helps you understand your what you're doing at a level that like unlocks the thing you're chasing. Yeah, okay. So to start to wrap this up, we're going to yep. um I I started to ask you a question before we hit record and I said no, I'm going to hold it for the podcast. So we're going to go back yes. to that thing. So we talked about KPIs for service providers, but now I mm -hmm. want to talk about KPIs for other online educators, um, those of us who have memberships, courses, and this could, I guess this could also apply to folks who have, who do have clients, but let me just, I'll stop burying the lead. We have um, in my business, we have several online programs, right? So we have a one-on-one -on -one signature service. We have the contract club. We have like a, a course on LLC formation. And a lot of these things you can just like go on our website and join. Yeah. And one of the things that I really want to dial in in 2024 is just general client satisfaction and program completion, right? Because if people actually go through the programs they buy, my expectation is that then that'll increase referrals and reviews and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard like to track. So I'm yep. trying to look for suggestions. Yep. One idea I had is that we put like an exit assessment in every single program we have. And we like mm -hmm. really, really hype that up in our welcome video. And so then we'd at least have like one way to track completion for every program. Um, But then it's like, do we create a KPI for every program? Or can we have one KPI that's like encompasses all of them? I know this is a very loaded question, but we're just brainstorming. So I mean, I would probably break them out because yeah. each one, each product is solving a different problem, which means it's attracting a, a different persona and, yeah. and buyer. Um, so I, I would not want to lump them all together uh, for that reason. Also, you know, just for like the high level, like you want to see where you're having the most success. And so, and that's a lot of people's knee jerk reaction is to just like group things into one and like put all like, numbers yeah. that really could stand on their own feet together because it's easier for them. But eventually you will get to a point where you're like, shit, man, like I want to know what this one is doing. <laughs> and then you won't have that information. True. Um, I get that's the other problem. Like I don't want to track 30 KPIs, but eventually yeah. we're going to, we're going to track as we get more dialed in, we'll start to track more and more. And if we, I guess if we combine them all together at first, it'll be really hard to untangle later. So, okay, yeah. let's just talk about the contract club then. Have you been in the contract club? I have no pressure. I know okay. of it. 
but I don't know. Why. Yeah. So I, like I'm you log here. in, there's a welcome video and then we have, they're all the, basically all different lessons, but each lesson is yep. different contracts. But the problem I have imagining how we would track this is if like you joined and you're like, I need to hire a contractor. So I'm going to pay $30 to join the club and just go download the contractor agreement. Like I'm having a hard time imagining that someone would watch the welcome video, download the yeah. contractor agreement and then take an exit assessment. Yeah. So I'm like, do we just track like sign-ins? Like as long as someone's like signed into the course, we at least know they accessed it. Or maybe we could just track, I'm like, if we have, and let's say we have like three hours in total of videos in there and each lesson mm -hmm. we're saying is about five minutes, as long as they've like watched one lesson, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a couple of things that are coming to mind. The first thing is that you on the front end, when someone's creating their account and signing up for it, you could ask them like, why are you here? Yeah. For those, like, cause then you'll understand what percentage of your contract club buyers are coming purely just for the contract contracts because they're they're going to pass it off to someone else to customize or who of your contract club members are there for actual like education and so right. that would be interesting not so much as a kpi but just as a way for you to start segmenting the people within that space um so one of the things that you know any any software as a service company like ng is going to look at is we're all trying to build products and understand where that time to value moment is, which in plain English is the aha moment mm -hmm. within our tools. And so the way that I think that you should look at the, the contract club experience is what are the, you know, let's just say three, what are the three really high value actions that we want people to take? And so maybe it is watching the first lesson or maybe you know that like this one particular contract is the one like is the mac daddy that most people are coming to you for so so there's that piece is, uh that would be interesting to track like as a definition like how many contract club members a month are doing x um but then uh, also like you want to know who your like your your A plus teachers pet uh -huh. students are. So what is the the overall completion rate of all of the modules would also be an interesting one um, because that can be an indicator, right? Like where there's smoke, there's fire. That can help you understand where you might be able to insert some education or onboarding to point people to these other parts of the contract club where you know there's value and for whatever reason, people aren't finding it. Yeah. Now I feel like I got to go like, look at the metrics that I have. Cause you know, sometimes our ability to track KPIs are only as good as like the metrics our software gives us. Yeah. Um, Cause I know I can, well, we don't need to get on all of that. Like I already know <laughs> I use Kajabi for our courses. I already know there's like some metrics that are really easy to find, but yeah. some stuff like video lessons completed. I don't know if we get like a, what percentage of people have completed like welcome video Versus yeah. I know I could click on like Taylor and see all of your individual ones. But then obviously yeah. we have 1700 members in the contract club. We're not doing that manually. So new, you are we'll not. To, and I would never we'll encourage you to do that. <laughs> we have to see what we can work with. Okay. All right, table Taylor. Well, this was super fun. Um, tell everyone again where they can go to check out NG. And then my final question that I always, um, pre this is very high pressure. Um, oh. if 
you don't already know, and if the listeners don't already know, we have a free Facebook group called Braden's Besties. Everyone needs to go check it out and join. If people want to become one of your besties, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, I'm a geriatric millennial, so I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, we're all on Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so you can find me at ng underscore co. So it's E-N-J-I underscore C-O on Instagram. And the website is E-N-J-I dot C-O. Um, but yeah, like if people want to be my bestie, I mean, all you need to do is say you want to talk marketing and business shop with me and I or skiing. I mean, two very different ends of the spectrum. But I will talk your ear off about business and marketing. And I will also talk your ear off about skiing. So those are the two ways to my heart. Beautiful. Well, we love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. And for both of us, pat on the back for both of us staying up past our bedtime. Big pat. <laughs> Thank you. Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.